All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fucking ears, what the fucksters, what the fuckadelics? How many of those do I have to do? I'm on, I'm on the road. I'm not in the country. Not that that has any bearing on how many of those silly names for WTF listeners that I come up with, but I'm on, I'm out of the country. I'm out of country. I'm out, I'm out in the world. I was just in London. The last time I talked to you was when I was slightly nervous, maybe, maybe a a bit uh, full of uh, anxiety and uh, perhaps a little bit of dread about my London show at Royal Festival Hall, a large room down at the South Bank Center that seats about 2,500 or something. But I'm here to report because I know a lot of you are like, I wonder how it went for Mark over there. I wonder how Mark's doing in that other country. It went great. Had a great show. Josie Long opened for me. She was spectacular. Then I went out there. I, I sat down and the, I, I had them. You know what the deal was? Not only was I good and I, you know, I don't toot my own horn often. I, it wasn't, look, I, I did what I do, but I was happy it went well. It was a great show. Everyone enjoyed it. People came from uh, many different places around the countries here. But I think the trick was, and this is a, a rare bit of experience. Let me say before I go on much longer that uh, a couple of things. Sam Tripoli is on the show today, and that's a handful. That's a lot to deal with. That was a lot for both of us, I think. That was, Sam Tripoli is, you got, you just got to, you got to sort of strap in and you know, hold on to the sides of the chair a little bit. But, uh, but it was good. It, been, it, it was a long time coming. You know, I see Sam a lot. He's one of those cats who, who I know from the comedy store. I knew I've known him for a few many years now, actually. I, I we don't hang out, but I know him. You know, I, I remember when he was going through some trouble with the drinky. And uh, you know, I, I just seen him around and it was one of those things where I'm like, Yeah, man, I gotta have you on, I gotta have you on. And then it just finally happened. Years after the day I first said, You gotta do the show. So Sam's on today. Uh it was a good conversation. We we travel some distances. He's a he's a manic cat. With some big ideas, uh, some of them sort of twisted and gnarled, that uh, that traversed the conspiracy arc. Yeah, we discussed that. You know, I, I try to keep that out of my head by choice. But what if it's true, man? You know, even, okay, maybe that it's the what if that bothers me. I mean, you think about it, it makes sense. I don't know. It, it think about it. What if I got too much imagination for that shit? Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe it's vague to you now. Perhaps it'll become clearer in in a few minutes. So, London. Little lesson I learned, and this is for anybody who's going to be playing a a space. This is for anybody who might be performing in a room that has a a wall-sized pipe organ on it. I mean, mean like the entire wall. I'm going to say probably 50 feet across 20, 30 feet high of just a pipe organ, just the pipes for a pipe organ. Now I, and this is the rare thing. And, and, and it's a, it's a wisdom that, that look, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just throwing this out there. If you happen to play, say symphony hall in San Francisco, uh, you're going to be standing in front of a, a tremendous pipe organ. And, I thought that show was good a couple of years ago, but I didn't love it. I didn't. I didn't feel like I, I. I felt dwarfed by the organ. I felt dwarfed by the expectations of the space, which I was projecting. Obviously, a space is a space, but I believe that that space was accustomed to you know woodwinds and whatnot. 
which was is going to be the name of my of some musicians memoir but here in well when i was in london i'm now in uh, i'm in sweden i'm i'm in stockholm coming into the city i i didn't uh, i was i wasn't like wow this is something but now i'm like yeah it is it's its own thing it's charming architecture is interesting the words are very funny and i don't mean that in an insensitive way or a condescending way or a stupid american way but i i do like i do i saw a word on a billboard and maybe i'm immature but if i see the word f-a-r-t-e-n i'm gonna laugh a little because that says farting how can you not laugh a little are you laughing a little in your car it just said farting, and it had the umlaut somewhere. But I like it, and I see boats. So pipe organs. My, my, my advice to you is, is that if you have the option to have them drop a curtain in front of the wall of pipe organ, I would do that. I did that in London, and I think it made a, a big difference. Maybe not, but I, I did make the decision. I had the decision to make, and from my experience at Symphony Hall, my innate gut feeling that that I'm being dwarfed by the possibility of that making noise that people would want to hear, I, I chose against it, and I feel like it helped my mind, and I think it helped the uh, the comedy. And I was able to pull the people in, make it an intimate space. So that show went great. And uh, last night, we went to uh, Sarah Kane, the painter. Sarah Kane, painter. Sarah the painter's uh, opening at, uh, at Timothy Taylor Gallery in London in the Mayfair area swanky uh and that show is great a lot of people came a few weirdos but uh you know that's to be expected art can be of any kind can be sort of like uh one of those like a light to to a light like like moths like weirdo moths uh art art brings people but the show is great great response went out to an amazing dinner i think it was a 27 course meal at a peruvian restaurant I uh, didn't eat today, and I felt like I wanted to die last night because I really felt like this was it. Uh, I, I can't. I just have to stop doing that, eating. But the art was great. The response was great. If you are in London, you can go see the show for a couple months, I think, at uh, Timothy Taylor Gallery. There's a, a nice hearty plug for my... Uh, my uh, what do we say now? I say girlfriend. Who says partner? Anybody? Partner? Don't like it. I don't like it. So I'm in Sweden, and if you're listening to this on Thursday and you're in Stockholm or nearby in one of the um, umlauted suburbs, <laughs> Thursday, that's today, night, I'm performing here in Stockholm. I'll tell you, this is like probably the fourth or fifth time. Oh, did I mention the glow? Back on the air, June 29th, man. Women, people. Uh, so that's happening. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, I was saying that I'm enjoying uh, being out of the country. I, I, it's very, it's relaxing to be out of America and the, uh, the sort of chaotic pace of what you put in your head on that continent. Uh, I know things aren't great in London, but it was great to be there because their problems weren't exactly my problems or our problems or the uh, national problems that we experience in the States. It's a, it's a relief. It's, it's really a relief to be way up here in Sweden because I feel like I'm way far away. And, uh, and I can feel that. I can feel the, the ease of my mind in the back of my neck. I'm not being strangled by the, the day's news and the, uh, constant chaos and uh possibility of uh 
systemic breakdown, both me personally and the country. So it, it is relaxing. I realized the other day when I was in London and, and also before I left, I don't know if I had time, but I know some people are probably and were expecting me to to talk about the death of Mitzi Shore, the the owner and uh, really the the life source and uh, overseer and creator of the comedy store. Um, she passed away last week, and and I and I didn't mention it. I, yeah, I mentioned it on Twitter uh, in one of my rare tweets, but. She had a profound impact on my life. I can't say that I knew her. I don't know who did in in in, in recent years. I, I am going to be running an episode shortly with Eleanor Kerrigan, who's a, a comedian and was a waitress at the store and, a, and was sort of Mitzi's assistant for a while. We've talked a lot about Mitzi on this show. Uh, she definitely, as I said, um, that place and her... A lot of people, you, you know, talk to me. They ask me questions about the comedy store and, or about Mitzi, like, you, you know, you must be sad or you probably, you know, are going to miss her or whatever. I, I didn't know her. I worked at the comedy store. I was there years ago and she was around, but I didn't know her then. She, They talk about the place and, and her like, you know, like you, like it's a normal situation. Like this was an, a normal person or that comedians uh, of that era <laughs> and some now are, are, are living normal lives. I mean. That place was this very magical, dark, mystical castle for me. And I was out of my mind. And she was the queen of like a mythological universe that had complete power over my head and the head of many comics. It was outside of Hollywood. It was outside the realms of show business. It was its own planet, the comedy store. And she was the reigning deity. Some of the older guys knew her better. Some people had relationships with her, but I was there shortly when she was cognizant. I was there for a little under a year. And, you know, any exchange I had with her, you know, was deeply meaningful. You just ran around being, you know, afraid of running into her. And if you did, just hoping that she liked you and hoping she didn't take away your spots or tell you you couldn't work there anymore or or won't let you work the door. You used to worry about not being able to do your door shift because you pissed her off. But you always thought she had the answers, the comedic answers. She And she would give notes sometimes, and I've told this story many times before, before I got all fucked up on drugs, and I was just a hungry, wide-eyed, slightly drugged up, uh, uh, aggravated Jewish kid who had come in from New Mexico. She did see me do comedy, and, and you just really want her to say something to you, and as some of you know, you've heard this story, she said, you're a poet, you should wear a scarf on stage. I'm barely doing a good Mitzi impression. You're a poet. You should wear a scarf on stage. Um, and I was like, thank you. Thank you, Mitzi. And I did. I did. I wore. I've, I found a scarf. I wore it a bit. I think I have pictures of me on it. I promise you if I find the pictures of me wearing a scarf at the comedy store uh, on Mitzi's uh, recommendation, I will share them uh, on my social media platforms. So... Rest in peace, Mitzi Shore. You changed a lot of lives, for better or for worse. I will, I will throw that in. I will. Uh, Sam Tripoli is um, a unique person, a funny person, very funny. Live wire. Happy to have him here. I talked to him, and it's actually it's one of still a, another one of the old garage interviews. 
you can check out his podcasts, Punch Drunk Sports and Tinfoil Hat with Sam Tripoli. Also, get his stand-up dates at samtripoli.com. This is me and the Sam Tripoli uh, back in the old garage. How long have you lived here? Uh, in Los Angeles, I've been here since I think 2000. Really? Yeah. So it's been it's come it's a long time already, huh? It ha- it flies though, dude. It seems like <laughs> yesterday, does it? It seems like a year is a five years equals one year to me. I don't know why, but it just seems maybe it's not three or four oh my, years, I but guess it's just true. Yeah, the last ten have gone by kind of, and it goes really right. well, and you just you're expecting these things to happen, and they just. It just blends and it just goes, and yeah. next thing you know, you are where you are. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing doesn't happen. It does <laughs> happen. It does happen. <laughs> yeah, or a different thing. A like different what thing you happens, wanted to happen. All of a sudden, ten years down the line, you're like, I did a lot of shit. Yeah, it means something. I mean, just think about when you started this that we're doing right now. How like this really didn't exist. Like this medium of the podcasting podcast. yeah. wasn't really there. Right. I always had this theory. Like, what if you were the greatest at something that's didn't never exist. been invented yet? Yeah. Like you are the greatest at Before time, time travel, hide yeah. and go seek. You right. can hide better than any other time. You know, you can. Right. And right. No, and, yeah. I'm but great. It hasn't been invented I'm great yet. at disappearing into Nazi Germany. Yeah. When, uh, some, when the game started in caveman times. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it just, it doesn't exist. But here's this <laughs> medium that showed up and now yeah. you've mastered. It. Yeah. Well, I guess if you're, it's a, it's the ahead of your time thing. That if you're ahead of your time and they don't have the, the resources, you're just a weirdo. By the way, you never want to be the first guy in the trailblazer. Yeah. That guy usually dies a horrible death yeah. in obscurity. Right. Yeah, it's exactly. the third dude who comes in and collects all the glory. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. There's always the the genius behind the guy that makes it. Yeah. The, the sad genius. It's like Friendster. That dude's got to be on Suicide Patrol oh, all the I, time. I have no idea what happened to that dude. <laughs> Where is I that guy? I remember everybody was worked up about Friendster. I, that was like that was really the first one. Yeah. And I remember when I got here in 2002, I had to get on there. Yeah. And I got on there, and I didn't understand the point of it. And uh, then there's someone started imitating me. On I had a fake account. Oh, that's someone how you know pret- you made it. Pretending to be me. But that was 2002. I hadn't made it. And I freaked out, and I got a friend who's a lawyer, and I got her involved in it. And shut the guy. It was that like I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah. Now, now it happens. You're like, oh, this guy, another yeah. annoying asshole." Good for him. Yeah. Good Hope he him. doesn't get more popular than me. <laughs> I've always wanted to start a fake profile account called Alternative Sam and just see who could get bigger. Why haven't you done it? Because I do a conspiracy podcast. You do? I love it, dude. I have such a great time. What's doing that it. called? Tinfoil Hat with Sam Tripoli. When did you start that? Ah, uh, the what it, the the version of it now started last March. Yeah. And that, a, how's it going? I mean, like, for me, it's doing great numbers, you know? I, for what's, you, you probably cry, what's like, it, what's wrong with what's my it, What's life? the angle? Yeah, what happened? What did I go wrong? Uh, yeah, <laughs> why are we down to 50,000? <laughs> uh, but it, it's great. I just enjoy, I've always been into it. Do you know when I started believing in conspiracies, dude? I, I, I was sort of engaged with conspiracies back in the day, and I've pulled out. So, yeah, I want to know, when did you start? When they discovered the Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan drunk in a car together yeah. and I was a huge wrestling fan yeah. and I'm like there's fucking that's 
bullshit. Why are they hanging out together? They're supposed to be. He's a hero. He's a terrorist. And they're shit faced. And I swear to God, that's why I go. Oh man, it's all true. The Jews run the world. The Jews don't run the world. Luciferians run the world. Luciferians. Yeah, but they they listen. There's no Jewish Luciferians. I fight anti-Semitism all the time. My girlfriend's Jewish. Her family's all Hebrews. Love them all. Hebrews. Yeah. Hebrews. What do we call it? What's if I call them Jews? I don't care what you call them. You know, and I, I, I every prefer time, fucking Jews. Yeah, I love fucking. I do love Jews. I'll watch Israeli fucking twerk videos all day, dog. Of Israeli troops twerking, they're fucking wonderful. But wait, who are the Luciferians? Well, it's it's my opinion that the there is a group of people out there that use uh, religion as kind of masks to yeah. walk amongst us. Yeah. So they'll be like, "Oh, I'm a Jewish. I'm I'm, I'm Muslims. I'm all that." When yeah. really they're not, and they're yeah. into these whatever you want to call them, dark art shit. Yeah. And uh, they and that's really who runs everything. It's like there's these dark arts people who use this fucking really dark shit to do, do, do stuff. Do and, we know any of them? Are there? Have you named any of the dark arts folks? There are, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, you know, or are they just nebulous? They're just around. No, there's or... like the, the 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 Rothschilds, and I hear that. But then the House of Saad, they're in on it. Then I found out about this like really old ancient banking group from Italy that are now Muslims. So there's like Muslims. There's he. Then the Vatican's really dark into the whole shit. So you've re- you've really done your homework on this. I were love you, it. I can you... read it and watch it but, and look at it all day. But do you do you do you ever study legitimate history? Like, like you... what, such as? Well, I mean, do you put this stuff into context? Or is it? Do you just? I think kinda, that's the only way you could study you this just stuff. Ch- cherry pick this stuff and no, no, connect the dots. Like, like, what would be your real history <laughs> that you think I should look into? No, what I'm saying is that yeah, the secret societies and the banking families. Yes, and, you and know, that, that was stuff. a real thing. Right, right. You know, you know whether or not the it, the 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 torch has been passed in the exact same way through. Uh, through uh, like weird uh, coded uh, sacrifices or rituals, I don't. I don't. That's where it gets a little dicey. That you know, over generations and centuries, that you're saying the, that, it's a long game they play. It's not necessary, <laughs> and it sounds crazy, it's but it's a long game. game. It's a long. But game. you don't. What I'm saying is that hasn't the 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 control of large chunks of money and property always been by the few in small rooms, right? With or without hats, right? What? Right, right, probably. So, like, may like, what I'm saying is like, does it have? No, they to be... have hats for sure. Okay. okay. So, what I'm saying is like, is it always necessarily shrouded in mystery and 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 ritual, as opposed to just people, you know, uh, doing what is necessary to hold on to massive wealth, which is usually owning politicians, owning armies, owning whatever. Okay, that's a great point. You're like. Aren't the, isn't this just human nature? Well, no, it's like we be, know who they are. Right. They're not but, hiding. But I they, think just, some you, people are hiding, though. Well, you and go that's to that big thing. G8 or whatever it is. The, yeah. yeah. I mean, the you know, I mean, I know about the Bilderbergers and the Freemasons and the Illuminati and, the, and the Trilateral that. Commission right, right. and the Kissinger and the Rothschilds and yeah, the, yeah. the Rockefellers and, the, you know, whatever. For sure. Sure. I, I mean, I know about it as much as I know about it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. I know about 33-degree masonry. Right. I, I get it. You know, but like, yeah. You, you know, like, sometimes you got to be careful in this day and age we live in. You know, uh, conspiracy theories are a way for stupid people to, to seem smart and for uninformed people to get all worked up about stuff that might be bullshit. And then they kind of sacrifice their mental disposition to to negative forces who may be working at behest of the conspiracies. OK, I get what you're and I'm saying. I'm not calling right you there. stupid. No, I, uh, for a moment, there, I was like, who is he talking about? <laughs> I did flunk first grade, uh, but that's fine. That doesn't count. You know, here. here 
here's the thing. I, I, you're totally right. You're, you're totally in on. You're totally correct. It's like maybe this is human nature. Maybe this has all existed. But for me, it's like, what, what is the truth though? It's like, right. Is it this weird shit that you go on a Reddit, you do this, do this information? Well, that's or is what I'm it, saying. I don't think it's human nature. I think it's how people, how power works. Right. Uh, so it's not. I, it's not essentially human nature. It's you know, however civilization was put together and who put that together and however far you want to go back. Right. right and right, whatever right, the legacy right. of those original Masons were, or whatever. Right. Did you ever see the man who would be king? Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, that's one of those like trippy. That's that's a great conspiracy. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Let's take this I, I, the 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 Iraq War of early in the 2000s. Right, this is all I'm talking about, right. and this is will sum up exactly what I, I'm talking about. So we have this Iraq War. We are told of these weapons of mass destruction, which right. later on we find out is not true. And then Wesley Clark has that video where he talks about you yeah. know sometimes if you're a hammer, everything's a nail, stuff like that, and he yeah. lists all yeah. these all these countries, right? right. And then you kind of do a little more research right. and go oh all those countries also don't have centralized banks and now after those groups there's down to three of them that don't no longer have centralized banks to me that's what i find interesting is there a darker motive to what we're being told is going on oh, so you're there- saying the global banking cabal <clears throat> yeah through the the cheney cult yes was making their move well, I mean, you no, go, no, I'm not. I mean, I'm just right, that right, right. That to me, I find interesting. Sure. Is what I like to inter- like. Is there another motive? Is there a darker other motive? than money? Other than money, power, and everything, but the sale of patriotism. Oh right, and well, propaganda. Us, right. Yeah, and us having to be like, oh man, we got to do this because it's a threat to us. And you have this these hillbillies. It, it go, man, America, we you're gonna fuck with America. You hit us and all this shit. Right, and they've I, just been sold out. They've been taken advantage so, of. They yeah. Well, that happens. That at, interests me. Well, yeah. Well, that's that's just dirty politics. That's fine. Then that's what I'm into. I yeah. love <laughs> knowing hearing, the truth. And I'm not gonna sit there like right. we're gonna change it or follow stop the it. money. I just like to know about it yeah yeah well yeah i mean that but that's not so much conspiracy as it is that you know that it was a massive propaganda push to do a cash grab and just gut iraq and but all a conspiracy is two people conspiring to do something and that to me is like if 9-11 is an inside job and that's a whole different conversation if it is an inside job there's a conspiracy there and i enjoy looking it's into a, that and a, unboxing independent that. speculative investigators yeah that's what i used to call them i love it sure all right well as long as it's a fun hobby for it you does. my, 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 my problem is is that is that you know you have two you know information realities and you know if the propaganda is strong enough which you know and has the right outlets and now that everything is bubble land and people can live in bubbles is that you know what you have the real problem becomes right now is that uh, the truth becomes unstable and 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 people uh, who maybe think along your lines go like well who's to say what the truth is it's like well there is truth and, and it can be assessed. Okay. But, you know, but, you know, like if you'd rather believe that Hillary Clinton is part of a satanic child molesting cult and you're pretty goddamn sure it's centered at a pizza place in D.C. and has to do with their chief of staff, okay. then like, maybe we should investigate a little further before you just buy that shit hook, line, and sinker and maybe think that maybe someone might be fucking with your head with an agenda. Okay, I get what you're saying about that. But So is it the pizza parlor that drives you crazy in that story? Because that's always what it is. They're like, okay, son's going down the pizza parlor. If you, Mark, if you took a little time because it's only speculative and just jumping in and mouthing off yeah. because from your perspective, yeah. 
you haven't been investigating it. It's not because you're a busy man. You got you had your show yeah, going. But, but where is the information coming from that you're investigating? I'm telling you. You know that there are shit mills churning out garbage all day long for vulnerable people who think they're onto something to drag them into a certain way of okay. thinking. I can completely understand what you're saying about that, Mark. But if let's say, <laughs> let's take that part away, right? right? Let's take the Hillary, that part. Now, listen, man. <laughs> Mark, you've known me. Granted, we don't we don't hang out all the time. Yeah. We're passing ships in the night. Sure, sure. You know, and for, but for the most part, I would say that our interaction is pleasant. And I, you know, I, I've always been treated you well. Never been an asshole. Yeah. All that. Yeah, shit. No, I feel like we get you along. You and I yeah. are. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, no I doubt. Would say you're like, hey, is Sam, a good guy. I, yeah. I would say for the most part, you'd be like, oh, he's a good guy. I don't know him. At, you know really super close but in my interactions with him yeah. it's been really well yeah, you know he seems to like being a little off in his head a he's a little bit. crazy people talks to himself a lot in the bathroom <laughs> don't know why um doing a lot of research yeah doing a lot of research <laughs> but it's very interesting that you know like and maybe it's not you let's say somebody else at the comedy store right. who is a good friend of mine thinks i'm a crazy person yet these people that they see on television that they don't even know at all yeah um they would take their word over that over over myself. Whereas I'm doing all this research independently on my own. Yeah. A lot, you know, extensively. Well, I'm just happy that you're not doing it on meth. Uh, yeah. Or, and well, that, you know, you haven't ruined your relationship yet. I My whole thing is that I just love studying it. Uh -huh. I study history right. up to this point and use that history to project what I think. And at the end of the day, it is what it is. And sure. if there is any sort of thought that maybe this is real i just don't know why people don't investigate it and just do a real investigation on it right but but that you know what real investigating in the age we live in now you know in where you get that information right. you know what the outlets are how is it sourced you know like you know do documents way they looked real and you know this is an arrest record from wherever but you know to actually do reporting and get out into the dirt and go look at public records and that stuff on your own that's impressive yeah but you know just to sort of like you know collect things from different sites that are purveying information but why do why is that what's going on why why and this is totally fine uh, you know it's like why is the notion that someone like a wolf blitzer is giving out no, real no, no. information yeah, he's not a reporter I, right. I mean you know it's like you know they you know they you just have to believe that you know most of the time they're sourcing their their work yeah i mean I, we I, are talking propaganda right isn't that kind of what i've been talking about is propaganda. Sure, sure, sure. whether you're talking about it's politics or yeah. music or whatever mm -hmm. i'm all about do you play ball that's to me it's Who? the it's the initiation whoever we're talking about whether it's in politics or 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 in the music but who's industry, but who's who's the who player plays ball? Who like play? are you saying, saying the consumer me or you no or no no the, the artist or the politician oh. do they play ball do they play ball with the powers that be and, and what they want put out well yeah i mean but are you are you hip to the sort of L. Ron Hubbard? L. Ron Hubbard, uh, the rocket scientist guy. Yes, you got that yes. one going. And then uh, you know the Laurel Canyon studio, which it was a very, uh, you know, like Jim Morrison's dad was involved very oh, high the up. General? In, the general, the yeah, general, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gulf of Tonkin. All right, so you're you're going full out. Yeah, good. Have a good time. <laughs>
<laughs> I, and listen, man, yeah. it's not that like I'm like we gotta do it, you know, and I'm throwing a tin. No, no, look, dude, I, I, I just you know, love I, I, knowing about it. Yeah, no, I, I have the books. I, you know, I was, you know, I've read the stuff. I, you know, I was in the hole. You know, I mean, if you can manage it and and it's you great. can, well, good. You know, I I got to a point where it's sort of like I need to ground myself in something tangible in my own life and something true and not <laughs> indulge it. A, you know, not true in the way that you know. That stuff's all very compelling. I love it. I just com- love connect the dots, right? But what I what I start to fear in talking about it is like, are we diminishing or de- you know detracting from a, a, a clearer narrative about what's really happening? Okay, I understand what you're saying. I think that our our ability to keep the eye on the ball <laughs> affects the rest of the world. Who's, uh, who's me and you? No, oh. me, you, all your listeners, everybody who lives in this. The eye on the ball. The eye on the ball. We are- And what, who's playing ball? Uh, well, okay. So how many wars are we in right now? Five, six? How many of them are approved by Congress? Two? And now we're thinking about going North Korea, Venezuela. Like our number is getting up to eight. Eight people. Yeah, they, it's a whole business unto itself. And oh, they, 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 we're, we're just being we distracted are, by bullshit. We're getting into Hitler numbers, okay, of people we've invaded. To me, I, I, all under the pretense that we're bringing freedom, democracy to people, mm. when I think we bring a lot of chaos yeah, that's and not destruction. Even, that's not even the pretense anymore. With this guy, for me, they, they don't. They, he's. They've outwardly said that is not our agenda anymore. We're going to close down the State Department. Who are we to impose democracy on these nice men who kill their own people? I think. It, I think if you think one's at that highest level, if you think one side is good, one side's bad. I think it's not bad. I'm not saying good or bad. I'm saying there's a policy change that po- spreading spreading democracy. There is, is no an longer. outward policy change, yeah. an open policy change. I think the problems between the the D's and the R's is that one one group can be more honest with what they're doing and the other one has to do it behind the thing because they're playing to a base that's about inclusion love equality everybody getting the love there's enough for everybody let's all work together yeah and behind closed doors they can't do that because that is not what is going on like what they're calling out trump right now on the russia stuff to me they have to have that because what they would call them out on real shit which is war spying all that stuff is what you could say about any president before him and the people above them. I just personally think we went from two wars to five wars under Obama. We're going to go to five wars to seven wars, probably under Trump. And I just think that we're doing bad shit to the rest of the world because we are too busy on our phones or we don't want to be investigate this and we're spread thin and we're so busy that we just want to know what's going on. So we turn on the tube and somebody like Rachel Maddow or somebody like Wolf Blitzer or Sean Hannity tells us something and we want to believe it's true because one, a lot of people have children Two, we're too busy and we don't want to live, believe that we're, we're part of this fucking empire shit. And that's just my kind of opinion. So I love, well, yeah, no, I, th- I think that part of that is true. Uh, and I think that, yeah, I think that people are distracted and, and finding the real information is, is difficult and people, a lot of people aren't interested if it doesn't affect their life directly. Yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, this, this country usually functions by enough people being okay to not question. And, you know, I agree with that. Uh, but I do believe that, you know, you can like you, and I think you're basically saying this, that if you find your sources and you believe your sources and you think that they are, uh, justified and, and doing real work. 
then uh, then you know those are the sources you're going to choose. I, I I love well I, for me it's like study history yeah. to see human behavior, how people react and how people act, what are they looking for, whether they want, whether their goals, yeah. and then as you move forward, apply to what you've learned. Does this fit human nature? Does this fit? How people have acted in the past that have been in the same position, their goals and what they want, does this make sense? And that's all I kind of do is like follow, use the past to prove the future. And that's kind of what I do. Okay. So that's your job. You're a prophet. It's it's not a prophet. It's just like, I just, I just, I can't get this. I just enjoy studying it. I have well, no pretense. Like, where'd you, like, let's go back. So what what did you study in college? I, I, I Mark. For me, man, I've been wanting to be a st- I've wanted to be a stand-up comic from the moment I knew I existed. I didn't know it was a job. Where'd you grow up? Upstate New York. Upstate, like what outside part? Syracuse, a place called Cortland, New York, to six oh seven. Really? And, uh, I wasn't good at anything. Big family. Me, my brother, my mother, my father. My brother was the number one high school bowler in New York State. Bowler? Yeah, he could bowl three hundreds with both hands. Which huh. where I'm from, that's water walking shit. Yeah. Like that's some rock and bowl Jesus stuff. Yeah. Does he still bowl? No, he gave it up. He, I don't know what it was. I think my brother got everything so quickly that he kind of was over it. Yeah. You know, so he just I, quit bowling. He just not even for fun. The best I've ever seen, dude. I mean, could take his hand, either hand, throw a ball out, get a strike. He was the—I mean, he was a 15-year-old man who was idolized by 40-year-olds just because he was that good at bowling. He was just great at it. And and at some point, he just turned his back on it. He got a—he got a, a a full ride at Wichita State. Never took it. Yeah. Never took it. I and, didn't even know that was a, an option at college where you get a oh, bowling yeah. scholarship. Yeah, bowling's a big deal, dude. It is? It is, Still? man. Think about it, dude. I'm I thinking mean, about it. If you think about the NBA, the NFL, all sure. that stuff, like sure. there is a small group of people yeah. that can actually get those jobs. Right. If you're a bowler, if you work If they're hard, willing to play ball. Yeah, if they're willing to play ball. There you go, dude. If you're a bowler, you're up against the population. Everybody can bowl. And everybody can go for it. Sure. Just didn't want to do it, man. Huh. But for me, I- What did he end up doing? Running strip bars. You know, he just- he, Really? Yeah, my mom hooked up with my dad, who was a, who was what they were called a slicker back in the day. You remember the outsiders? Yeah. All those slickers. That yeah. was my dad growing up, and my mom was a police officer's- daughter uh-huh. like the bad boy put out two knucklehead kids man and you know it's ever that's ever what'd your dad do my dad my dad gave me two things man yeah. my sense of humor and the work ethic yeah. he worked really hard my dad had a bunch of jobs he owned property was a teacher was a real estate agent like i just always watched him a hustler. Work, work hard yeah, yeah. work hard man and i kind of glean that from and him. your mom teacher yeah she taught they were both teachers man you know so I grew up and I, from the moment I knew I exist, I wanted to be a comic. And I remember getting funniest guy in sixth grade. And I'm the only person who ever went into high school. Maybe I wasn't, but I wanted, I only cared about being class What kind of name is Tripoli? It's Italian, but yeah. I'm half Armenian, half Italian. Armenian on who's, on which side? On my mother's side, Bedorians. Bedorians? Yeah. I, what do you, do you, I, did you, like, did you have a lot of Armenian family? I had a lot of Armenian family. They lived in the neighborhood? They lived in Niagara Falls. There was a big Armenian community. For some reason, my grandmother never passed on Armenian language to my mother, or she did, but they never passed on to me. They were from a different generation. Yeah. Where they basically, it was about assimilation. 
Instead of sure. now where it's kind of like, niche, you know, carve your niche and stay. Yeah, so, your... do you want, everyone wanted to pass. Yeah, everybody wanted to be an yeah, yeah. be a American, you right. know? And a lot of people who had the triply last name changed their name to like Triple or something like that. Yeah. Whereas my family trippy. kept their Yeah, Trippy or something like that. <laughs> and my family stayed with Tripoli. Yeah. But I, the, I, the Armenians, what's the religion of the Armenians? Christian. We were the first country to ever adopt Christianity as its national religion. Armenia? Armenia. And it's very interesting because uh, for about 16 years, I've been doing a giant event at the comedy store in the main room. Yeah. Uh, a cousin of mine, Alik, got uh, bone marrow cancer, and they couldn't find a match for her. Is Armenian, Armenian guy? Yeah, Armenian woman. Armenian yeah, woman. lady. She's yeah. going to be a doctor. Right. And then uh, she, uh, she couldn't find a match because Armenians have a very unique genetic makeup. Uh-huh. And it's basically because... A, Armenia is surrounded by Muslim countries, uh-huh. and there was no interaction. Uh-huh. So Armenians, which is this very tiny area, yeah, just hooked up with other Armenians. Yeah. So basically, we're the hillbillies. Yeah. You know, a lot of like. So you're saying there was a lot of uh, cross pollination, a lot of uh, or not cross pollination, but, uh, but, just hooking up with our own. But that, I mean, that happens. But did they pace it out right at least, or no, were there someone in charge of like, not. not your cousin? You know, I. What I mean, are there genetic problems? Yeah, that's why it's a, it's hard to find. But that's just a specific genetic type. Are you saying that there's a genetic weakness across the board? Yeah, uh, with, with within Armenians, which is why they have cancer? to do these. Yeah, they started this. A doctor, Frida Jordan, and my cousin started. Uh, my cousin Michelle Topalian started mm-hmm. the Armenian bone marrow registry, and like I got picked up at the comedy store. I think about two thousand. And then three or four years later, I found out my cousin had bone marrow cancer, and I, I go, how can I help? And they're like, well, could you help us raise money? And so I put this huge event on in the main room. It's like probably the oldest running show there, even though it's only once a year. It's the oldest running show, and we sell it out every year, yeah. and they raise money. And it's like with this weird charity where you can actually see the fruits of your labor, meaning yeah. like, you know, sometimes I'll do charity events. I'm like, yeah. hope that money gets to whoever needs it. Right. But they know. build a giant facility in Armenia. They've had a bunch of like connects where these people, you oh, know, yeah? connected with someone with their blood type and bone marrow type. And so it's been pretty cool, man. That's great. Yeah. Doing good in the world i try it's my i call it my karma shell good and so, for a while everybody who did it i could see who's gonna blow up they do it and all of a sudden boom they became huge oh is that true yeah so Winnie cummings did it blew up el magical did it got picked up at the, as a regular at the comedy store so you think it's the magic of your I show i think it's just my vision doc <laughs> no i know <laughs> yeah, I, just, yeah. I just luck <laughs> we're, we're all gonna find out yeah by the end of this podcast that that sam Tripoli is secretly running everything <laughs> yes he's running <laughs> The pyramid scheme, it's All like it. me All and then Queen yeah, Elizabeth. The, he's at the top. He's right up there with the Bill, Bilderbergers. He's the one He's the one above the 1%. Dude, Sam there's snipers everywhere around sure, here. Buddy. The blocks Yeah, but you don't see them. That's how fucking yeah. deep state you yeah. are. Yeah, they're shapeshifters, dude. Yeah, shapeshifters are protecting Sam My as he moves through. is loved by the reptilians, dude. Sure, the reptilians. That's you know, Pull up those masks, fellas. We want to see what's underneath. I'm super excited to be on. You are you? Yeah, man. So all right. I feel like you've had everybody but me. I feel like you just had the dishwasher from the comedy store on. What is that? I can get him on. Can yeah. you text him? <laughs> yeah, he's it. Juan, get down here. <laughs> I mean, I just you just uh, I don't know. You fell through the cracks. I don't know what happened. I, I, I guess I, I'm I a crazy we, person. No, you know, I, there's there's other people. I get it. Yeah, but I mean, I think the 
all right, so let's let's go back though. So you grew up in upstate. Yeah. Your brother gives up bowling. The family's like can't understand it. Yeah, nobody can. He just went out and, and then for like like for years he was just in Siberia or just didn't like know what the hell he's gonna do. He just he's a, that, <clears throat> he is a rolling stone. Yeah. He just loves to move around and do his own thing. Yeah. You know, neither of us had kids, so I feel bad for my mom and sometimes I get frustrated like have a kid for her, you know. And is he married? No, he no. just likes to roam. Dude. And he manages strip clubs. He manages strip clubs. He he he's he kind of flips them. His job is to go into ones that aren't doing well and flip them. Oh, so he's a strip club wizard. Yeah, strip club wizard. <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. <laughs> and you, like, when you graduated uh, high school, you didn't have a plan. What'd you do? I wanted to be a stand-up. I get it, but you, did you go to college or anything? I went to UNLV. I thought, well, basically, it's very funny. My father, over time, worked me in convincing me I should move to Vegas because he's like, yeah, you should move, you should go to school out in Vegas, go to Vegas, Vegas, I'm like. Because you wanted to be a comic? Because I wanted to be a comic, I, th- I thought it'd be a great place to start, I don't know why, but you'd always hear people like, yeah, sure. oh, he's playing Vegas, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. all the greats play, i like, oh, I'll go to Vegas. And right. like my father was pushing me, and little did I know, they wanted to go out there and buy a house that I would like rent out and they could use it as a business expense to go gamble all the time. <laughs> that he, was his plan? He had a long game, dog. <laughs> a long game, right? And that's all he does now. He lives in Prescott, Arizona. <laughs> he gambles all day and that's he calls me from the office. This is the Indian casino he's at. Yeah. And he lives a life. He's Where's bang- your mom? My mom still lives in Cortland. My dad lives in upstate New York. So they he split. Yeah, they split up, and me at the, like the day after my brother graduated high school and left for Arizona to go yeah. to ASU, my mom was like, "Boom, get out, dude!" <laughs> I, and my for, my poor father just wandered, and then well, was that, why was he like a pain in the ass the whole way through? Was he a gambling sick gambler? I think my father, you know, my father is like seventy five, I think, right yeah. now. You know, he's he's from that generation where you just get married, have kids, and, you know, and it's just yeah. like, he's not that, he didn't want to do that. You uh-huh. know, he, I think he just wanted to be like a, a, like my brother, a rolling stone, just like go live his life, have fun, yeah. bang chicks, and, you know, party and all that stuff, yeah. but that wasn't what you did back then, you know? Yeah. Like, then it was like, get married, have kids, and- There were always the, people that did that. I think they were, and <laughs> I think my dad did that on the side. Right. I, I don't think he was perfect. Right. And you know, like when my parents got my divorce, my dad jumped all right into. I mean, my brother jumped in the middle of it, was yeah. like trying to you know what? sell things, and I'm like, nah, dude, I don't want to know any of it. Yeah. I love you both. Get it over with. Get divorced. I don't want to know because I, I and I love my dad to death. I, I knew he was a shady motherfucker. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I just didn't need to know about it because I didn't uh, <laughs> want my dad not to be in my life. So I'm like, he's not perfect. And as you grow older as a man, because yeah. you know, you see, you love your mom. You grow up, you, that's yeah. your mom. Yeah. You, you do anything for your mother. I don't know. I, 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 both of them are draining to me. Really? But you, at, at no point when you were a really young kid, did you just not love your mom with all your heart? No, I, I don't think we had the same situation. And that's definitely true. But I feel like for me, I love my mom with yeah, all my heart. sure. And my dad was like, oh, this my dad. Be nice to mom, you know? Yeah, right. And then you grow older and you start interacting with women sure. in your own life. And you're like, oh, now I get what dad was talking about. Yeah, dude. yeah. These chicks are fucking crazy. And yeah. they're not perfect and I'm not but, perfect. But, but how did, but so what, so you think your mom was fucking crazy? No, my mom's one of the most loving people, but I know <laughs> interacting with a woman, no matter how nice they are, there's one guy that's just like tired of hearing about it. Do you know what sure. I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, everyone's got uh, got their trouble. So you're saying to me, 
you know, not all women are, are crazy, but the relationships are No women are, are crazy. All, everybody's crazy. That's right. So, but, the, but and, and I'm not just trying to correct it for, yeah. the, for the sake of being correct, is just that, like, I tend to do that. You know, I tend to be like, that. Oh, she was crazy. And, you know, she's got problems, I got problems. Yeah, and the we're problems all nuts. They, yeah, you know, they work for a while. Hey, isn't this fun? We're both fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then somebody's got to pull out. Somebody's got to pull out. <laughs> Because right. so we're going go. down. Yeah. The, the, the train, the, the plane's going down. Someone's got to eject. Now, my girlfriend, who mm. I love with all my heart, is a ride or die bitch. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, she's been through, you know, it's like yeah. my, my partying and all that shit. Yeah. You know, she's been through all that. She's a great person. She drives me fucking nuts, but she's a great person. You know, oh, you've been with her that long? 15 years. Wow. Yeah. But you're, but I think the point is that's interesting is that, you know, whoever you demonize growing up or whatever, you know, that you're choosing to draw a line with how much you really wanted to know about your old man just so, you know, you didn't you know, take sides or, 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 you know, not have a relationship with him that you're realizing as you get older. It's like, all right, I understand a little bit more, not just because not as some outside observer, but you've got him in you. Yeah. Oh. Dude, 100%. There was a point in my life yeah. where I go, oh, man, I'm turning into my old man. Yeah. And I, I and what were you doing? <laughs> like, were you like, I, the stripper? Were you gambling? Were you, you know, no, it was this notion that everybody was jealous of me and holding me back from success. And there, you know, that weird moment you have where it's like paranoia. Yeah. This paranoia that, that was instilled in me as a child, you know, from he my dad all the time. What do you think? He's Everyone like, oh, these guys him? hate me because I'm doing this so well. I'm killing it. And everybody hates me. And, 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 and like, I remember hearing that and over and over. I'm like, man, you got to get along with people. I remember thinking as a kid, because some of our neighbors wanted to work with my dad on a real estate project. Yeah. And he was like, I don't know. I'm like, dad, you have to work with people. Yeah. So then, you know, he thought everyone was out to fuck him. Yeah. Huh. And they were all jealous of his fucking of how of he's what? doing uh, of his success and his ability. Was to he do successful? Shit. He was a great real estate agent. Oh. My dad was, like I said, a super hustler, like so a, in a small so market. Hyper competitive, super competitive. Yeah, yeah. And he got, and I would talk. I talked to him later about that, and he goes, "Well, that was my father. Yeah. My father was like that too." And sure, he keeps going. Him. And it's just this weird cycle of life. Well, through me, you know, my life, I've. You know, I've gone through stits where I had to look at myself and be like, why is this hap? What What's going on in my life? You know, I write down what my resentments are in life and I I find the common theme is me. Yeah. And I start realizing, you know, the most freeing thing I've ever learned through recovery is that nobody's thinking of me. And it yeah, sounds no like you're, a, you're yeah, alone, yeah. but it's the most freeing shit in the world where you've come. Yeah, because you know what they're thinking about? Themselves. 100%. And there, you know, so anything, you're saying it's freeing to, to, to realize that you're making up most of what you think other people are thinking. And there's this like, oh, dude, fuck Sam Tripoli. And there, there's these meetings, the no. fuck Sam Tripoli meetings, you know. Are they part of the conspiracy? The no. Fuck, the fuck Sam Tripoli meetings? No, no, I wish. Have I you wish done I research on those? Yeah, How deep have you done the research? Nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck. Do you want to hear a great story, dude, what? about how mentally crazy I was? I remember I, I when I moved to Vegas, moved to LA I came yeah. from Vegas and Vegas at that time was like its own little island of yeah. comedy like it had no interaction I, I had no desire to be part of it uh, but but as a coming up you yeah. had no clue about the rest of the world so you were just doing your own thing and we couldn't get hired at any of the local comedy clubs because they in would Vegas. just fly locals in from LA it was nothing back then so we couldn't even get up so we had to do our own thing so like 
when I started doing comedy in LA, yeah. I'm in Vegas, there was one open mic every other week. Right. And so I started making my own shows and I got all these different shows. So I had a show every night doing my own thing, hosting my own thing. Yeah. I come to LA and I showcase for the Montreal Comedy Festival. Right. I don't even know what it is. I just, people like, you got showcase. I'm like, okay, I'll showcase. And I tap into something that I have now that I didn't have then. And I, and I blow it up. I get, you're going to the Montreal Comedy Festival. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I don't even know what the fuck it is, yeah. but I'm going. So I go there, and I'm following Corey Holcomb on stage, who at that time I think was a 20-year vet. I don't even know how old Corey Holcomb is. He could be a 1,000 years old at this point, yeah. but he was, like, he's been doing it forever. Crush, I bomb. I'm in front of this comic, this, uh, this, this lady at Fox named Ann Manny, who's a wonderful person. I, I bombed in front of her, and I am consumed now with getting in front of her and showing her that wasn't me. I'm a better comic than that, and I want to fucking show you how great I am, right? Yeah. So for two years, I am consumed with getting in front of Ann Manny's show that in Montreal isn't who I am. I work my ass off. I come back from Montreal dead in the water. Nobody wants to do anything with me. The only person who cared for me was Mitzi Shore. She was the only one that would give me spots, and I was able to work through my shit. This was what year? This is like 2000. 2001, 2002. So she's still mentally there for the most Holding part. on. Yeah. But the comedy store isn't what it is then. It no. is its own way, its own island, where what happened at no, the comedy yeah, store yeah. stays sure, at the comedy store, sure, sure. and nobody gave a fuck. Back in the it, day. Yeah. It was the like, Tommy time, was that? No, it was Tommy no, Duncan. No, before Tommy time. Was Duncan yeah. booking? It was at the end of Duncan. Yeah, yeah. And then we got into, Tommy was right. after that. But nothing, you know, nobody was there, and I was just able to work through this thing. And she saw you? She, I saw her. She hadn't seen me yet. Two years later, I get a call from Maz Jibrani because I was in this Arabian Night show yeah. after 9-11. She's, it was before 9-11. Mitzi's like, Arab's going to need a fucking a voice of comedy and I'm put it together. That's how I got into comedy. Store. You were doing that pre-9-11? Yeah. Pre it was so 2000. Yep. You were with Maz and yep. Aaron and, and Ahmed, Ahmed. Ahmed Ahmed. And the only reason I got that in- That happened before 9-11? Yeah. Wow, trippy. Right? She's huh? like, you guys, she goes- you guys are going to need a voice soon to oh. fucking, right? <laughs> what the fuck? Right? Crazy. Yeah. Don't like, see, now, like, in terms of conspiracy thinking, like, because most of where my conspiracy meltdown happened, I wrote about it in my book, was at the store when I was psychotic on cocaine. Yeah. So, like, when, when trippy things, trippy stories about the store, they always kind of send me back, like, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, a, that's witchcraft central over there. Yeah. Well, oh, dude. Yeah. 100% yeah, yeah. chaos. So, I get, it's so funny, I showcase at the comedy store after Maz what Maz called you and, and said Maz and Duncan go listen there's a chance for us to get you in at the store yeah they're, we're putting together an Arab show you're Armenian I'm like yeah she's like I'm like but that's not Arab they're like close enough yeah. so I remember going up <laughs> and it was very interesting because Paul Mooney got me in at the store I'd done a uh, I'd done a show at a place called the Hustler Cafe down the street and I did a joke about how hard it is to be a white guy and I got off stage he's like oh you ain't white use Armenian use a and he dropped the N-bomb on yeah, me and I was yeah. like damn I just got called the N-word by Paul Mooney dude <laughs> yeah. it's like a badge of honor right? right so I'm showcasing people might not know this about the store but when you showcase at the store it was so hard because people would hijack your showcase because they were trying to get spots so they would they knew Mitzi would be there and they would sit down and they would try to talk to her or convince her to give them spots and you do your set and she wouldn't even listen. Yeah. So but you I, think that was cuz they were trying to hijack it? They were trying to get spot they knew I that know was, but why would they do that when you're on stage? Was it why? Because when you're trying to get spots you don't give a fuck. You're like that's the so one So you're just time. saying when she was in the room yes. people would distract her. Yes. Right. Well they would 
tried to get her ear to yeah. get spots. Yeah. You know, right. Whatever you want to yeah, call yeah. that, we'll label it. But it that. wasn't like, I'm going to fuck No, it wasn't like, Allah, hijack. Yeah. No, none of yeah, that yeah. shit. Right. No, no. I mean, but they weren't doing it out of spite. They weren't like, oh, Sam's on stage. I'm gonna, you it's know, time to talk to her. Yeah. yeah. The shadow people are going to love this. We're going <laughs> to fuck him right now. So, so uh, I, I'm doing my set. Now, Duncan calls me and he goes, Okay, this is what you this is what you talk about. You do one joke about one of your parents, one joke about your ethnic yeah, group, yeah. and one joke about um, your favorite joke. And at, at a time, it was my bit about uh, uh, Asians on ecstasy. Yeah. And the only reason I liked it is because Joey Diaz goes, dog, that's a great bit. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. So yeah. I did it. I start doing my act. I see Paul Mooney sitting down. I'm like, fuck. But I'm just like, screw it. Let's just yeah. do the best set we yeah. can. So I yeah. do it. I get off stage. And... Um, I walk up to her and she's like, great set. I'm like, oh my God, she listens. She goes, are you Syrian? And like, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't know what Syrian was, but I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking Syrian, dude. She's like, great. I want you to showcase one more time for Jay Davis's show. So that's how I got picked out and turned out that Paul Mooney was like, oh, Mitzi, he's really funny. You have to pick him up. He'd be great for the show. So I got picked up at the comedy store because of Paul Mooney, right? Uh-huh. So for two years, I'm just gigging there, right? Moss calls Thinking me Thinking about Manning. Ann Manny and Maz, Maz calls me up hey I'm doing a showcase for Ann Manny do you want to do it I'm like it's time <laughs> it's, it. it's time yeah, fuck I'm yeah. strong okay yes yeah. so I take I go there and I destroy and I, here comes Ann Manny and I've been waiting for this moment two for years. two years yeah she walks up to me she goes hey man great set I'm like oh my god thank you she goes have you ever been to the Montreal Comedy Festival <laughs> I go, what? She goes, have you ever been to Montreal? You do great there. She didn't even remember me. Yeah. And that is my mind, like resentments and holding on to resentments. Yeah. And that's when I realized over time that I was become my dad holding on to the, all these resentments for so fucking and long. These, well, yeah. And also the, the, the idea that, you know, that, that you had failed. And that you know they were you were being judged, yeah. And that they were that she at least once a day was going like that. Tripoli sucks, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every day, just throwing a fucking darts into a dartboard with my even face, casually, just yeah. like you're just sitting there percolating. <laughs> Boy, what I wonder what happened to that guy that tanked <laughs> with her coffee just after like, Holcomb. Triple, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that Tripoli guy sure is terrible. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. That's funny. A lot of mental space. I, mean, I was the same way. It took a lot of time, a lot of a lot of sobriety. For that shit to to ease up, for me to really realize it, you know that that they're not thinking about you, but I, I'm the same way. You got, we got a lot to prove. <laughs> it's a crazy gig, right? Comedy's but okay, so like, gig. so you went, you finished college? In- yeah, I got a degree in psychology, and I always knew I wanted to be a stand-up, but I had to go to college for my parents. So, and your dad bought the house out there? He never bought the house because I oh. knew I just I, then I like I want to get in business with my dad. Right. I love him to death. Uh, I just don't but, want it because this is not going to end well. So you know you didn't want to know about his fucking shitty past, and you don't want to get into business with. I him. wouldn't say. Listen, man. I don't call it a shitty pa- I call no, it I mean, he's just a fucking want- human being. No, I get it. Okay, you did, but you didn't want to know too much. Yeah, I didn't want to get in the mix. You don't want to get in business with Yeah, him. I don't want to find out how the hot dogs are made. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're, so- you're one of the hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, I am one of the hot dogs. <laughs> so I I, uh, I go to college. I have to get a degree. Yeah. At that time, Basic Instinct and Science of the Lambs are big. Yeah. And I see that these guys, they're, they're, they're in the psychology and they're, they could play with people's heads and i go i'm gonna get a degree in that i wanted to get a degree in psychology and that's what i got i ended up getting a degree in psychology because of silence of the lambs and basic i had to pick something 
but you didn't really want to do it. But you're like, maybe I'll get enough information. So just moving through life, I'll have a, a jump on these idiots. Yeah. Because I'll know how their brains work and I'll be able to fuck with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I found out like how much college, how much education you have to do to become a psychologist. I'm like, I'm out. Dude. Yeah. But, you, but but you wanted to get some basic uh, info. Yeah. 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 A, but you don't remember anything. Mind games. You didn't dog. know. But you didn't, but you, they don't teach you that. I don't remember doing one fucking ounce of homework. I Never. know I did. Yeah. I just But it's funny to me that you like that that the you wanted to be a comic your whole life, but your incentive for studying psychology is like I'm gonna get ahead of the curve on this shit. Yeah. Like I it was self protecting yes. to 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 avoid the the treachery of of your father's persecution. I don't instinct. think at that point I was trying to avoid. I I was avoiding that I didn't want to get in business with him, but I don't think No, no, but I just mean the state of mind. Yeah. It was like you, you know, because you didn't know you had it then. Yeah. But you were still sort of like, you know, if my dad's right, everyone's out to fuck me. Yeah, so right. if I can get a jump on that shit. Yes, yes, completely. Right. I want to be able to t see signs. and I'm reading books on body language and <laughs> yeah. shit like that. Because they're see. all coming at you, yeah, Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%, dude. 100. It's been mental warfare from the jump. Yeah. Just yeah. this thought of like, what is this guy doing? What is what that is guy he doing? For me? You know? How's he, what is he working? Yeah, yeah, Were they yeah, talking yeah. about me yeah, over there? Why yeah. is he laughing and looking 100%. at me? 100%. Oh, what are man. you guys talking about? Oh. Me? You know? Soon <laughs> everybody's thinking about me. And, you know, nobody gives a fuck. Yeah, nobody gives a fuck. Maybe it's two so people. My mom. That's about it. Well, you know, you, well, you, the thing is, is that, you know, you know that because like if you're, you know, you're working a program. So, so you know that like you, you there are people thinking about you because you probably did some stupid shit. So like, and then you got to make it right. You got to own your side of it and you have the tools to do that now. So, you know, the one, and you know, when you, you know, like that, well, that person is thinking about me because I was a fucking dick. Yeah. And I got to sure. fucking, you know, make that right. I, I, you know, the cool thing is like, as you go through recovery, you learn about making amendments and, uh, and to people. Amends? Amends to people. Yeah. And, uh, I think amendments is sort of, yeah, that might be some of the- That goes back to conspiracies, yeah, it might be yeah, amends. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, I do enjoy doing that now. I yeah. tend to, at the end of the day, self-reflect on some stuff. Do it as quick as possible. And do it, and it, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's a relief. Because I, I, you know, I'm Armenian, dude. I'm Armenian Italian. I go zero to felony very quickly. And yeah. I react and then I'm like, oh, that was the Still? wrong reaction. Yeah. Well, it's a natural. So instinct. you apologize to your girlfriend a lot. I mean, we both go crazy on each other, <laughs> but I think we're at a point where it's, we don't take it personal. Oh, you know, right. like That's we both have these weird flare Right. So it's sort of like, oh, he's doing that thing now. Yeah. He's, yeah. And she's she's doing, doing that. that. She's yelling at me. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's a crazy person and we yeah. all move on. Yeah. So. When he started doing stand-up in Las Vegas, you had to make your own way. There were no clubs. I can't remember the club. You couldn't get in the hotels. Well, I the clubs that were there, right, there were uh, Catch a Rising Star, the Comedy Stop, the Improv, and uh, Steve Sharippa's uh, Comedy Club at the Riviera. Yeah. And none of them are there anymore. They're all gone. Right. And I think only one, two of them are named different clubs. Now one's the Laugh Factory and one is Brad Garrett's yeah. Comedy Club, which is- But there was no way to do open mics or nothing. No, they didn't have open mics. They never had open mics. And this was really when being edgy and dirty wasn't in. You know, yeah, I, I'd right. like to say you had to be a more cleaner, more mainstream. Well, they, as as a nobody, but I mean, there were definitely edgier, dirty people doing yeah. Vegas. Well, I just but... didn't want to do any of that. And yeah. that to this day is the same way. I, I just want to be me and yeah. I just want to be on. And I've gained 
the benefits of that, and it's you know financially probably hurt me along the lines too. What, so, just being a, a dirty fuck? Just being me, dude. Yeah. You know, just talking about my shit on stage. You know, I got this. I, bit, just, I say dirty fuck nicely. I'm, I, I'm, it's a, I, I it's respect a, that. Yeah, I got a bit about the time I smoked crack with this guy, and he, yeah. he tried to suck my dick, and I had to punch him with all my crack strength and run off. And yeah. some people don't want to hear about that, you know. Just but it's just my sounds like a good story it is a great story it's fucking <laughs> funny as fuck but some people like well just, that but you know but that's true because like and i i was thinking about this the other day about you know just even living the life we live with or without drugs is that you know, we we are not part of the workforce so <laughs> and, and that's putting it lightly right? right right so and a lot of times like a lot of things that we think people relate to they don't there's no way they can relate to it right so you know you've just got to sell it in a way that they're like holy shit that's fucked up yeah but you know you're not going to get you know unless you're at a meeting no one's going to be like dude i know exactly yeah 100 percent, dude 100 <laughs> percent. there's nothing like doing a good na meeting dude yeah. oh, you boy. can tell a great story and people just explode uh, oh yeah and it's like i got one for you yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i was the guy that tried to suck you yeah dick. yeah yeah hey that's you yeah dude you shouldn't have punched me bro <laughs> <laughs> well, we're and all making amends. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I do. I, I just find it. There's so many rules of comedy now, and is there though? Really? Yeah, there is. I think really? There is. What do you mean? Are they? Are they? Are they hard rules? Or are they? I think that's you know. I think there's some which is cultural expectations. I think there's also like what people are comfortable with on stage, and you know, for what, me, yeah, but I think that buttons are being. I think there's always a couple of guys that are out there pushing the envelope, and I think that you know that there'll be a pushback. I, I'm I'm for it. I yeah. mean, I I want people to love each other and treat everybody with respect, but yeah. I think that we should also be allowed to talk about all the funny things everybody does. Yeah, and also, yeah, and it, you know, there's oh, there's always guys who are gonna you know be there to be the steam valve to blow off the steam and take the hit. But usually, there, there's one or two guys. Everyone can't do it. I'm just like a, I love punk rock. Yeah, like I love going in and fucking just lighting shit up and yeah, burning places down. And I don't know, man. I just enjoy it, dude. I like playing weird fucking gigs. Like, you, can I tell you about the weirdest gig I ever, one of the weirdest gigs I ever did? Yeah. I got asked to open up for a cat named Fat Mike from NoFX. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah. I know of him. He asked me to, his wife is this woman, her name is Soma Snake Oil, and yeah. she's a very famous uh, BDSM mistress. Uh -huh. And I got called to... Uh, do his 50th birthday party and yeah. i talk about this to my act about how like it like 50 years for a punk rocker is like a thousand years old yeah. you know it's like it's like gandalf the white wizard yeah. ship yeah so i get called and i go to this uh bd it's at a bdsm bar by lax because mm -hmm. that's all the weird shit goes down is by the airports where sure. business guys can fly in yeah. get weird get back on a plane and get the fuck out and nobody yeah. knows who they are and so I show up and it's like all like cross dressers and leather daddies. They're yeah. everybody's in leather or yeah. cross dressers. And I've been asked to host, you know, you know, and I'm like the guy who did the naughty show and all that shit. And, you know, it's, so I'm kind of like known as a crazy person. But in this room, I'm the most vanilla human being <laughs> yeah. out there. Yeah. Like just like I met, I met a girl who was like, you're so vanilla. I go, what? I'm like, what are you into? Like, what's crazy? She had sex with a knife to her throat. Like, this is like legit people. Yeah. Like, she's like a lawyer by day, like, yeah. you know, a hostage by night. And yeah. so I show up, dude, and I do my act. And dude, I mean, nothing is relatable. And I am bombing, dude. Oof. But my saving grace yeah. is I get heckled by this 
guy who looks like a cross-dressing minotaur, okay? Yeah. I look out and there's this guy with this giant afro. He's got these these weird devil horn implants, all black, all black eyes in there with contacts, full beard in a wedding dress. Yeah. And every time one of my jokes bombs, yeah. He yells, "I want to fuck you in the ass." And the play and then would explode and then I'd rip him a new asshole. Yeah. So at some point I stopped doing my act and just waited for him. And I just start ripping into this guy talking about how I felt like I was in Narnia and I was about to get fucking prison raped by the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. Yeah. And it ends up saving my fucking act. Yeah. But that's hands what, on. Hands Oh dude, it's like Bill Burr said, until you're famous, every show is an away game. Yeah. And then you become famous and every show is a home game. Right. And like, that is, I like, I'm just doing shows. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just like a survival show. Yeah. But what a weird, uh, what a weird environment. I just love it though. Did you host the Porn Awards? I did something on Showtime called the Sex Awards. Yeah. It was the first and only time they did it. It was literally the worst gig I ever did in my life. It was just chaos. And I walked out and I did my shit and they everybody's like, dude, yeah, I walked out to a TV gig where everybody on their phones, these are all porn stars. Yeah. All coked out of their skulls. Yeah. Texting people. Yeah. I'm like, who are you texting? You're where it's at. <laughs> it's where everybody wants. You're all here. You're all here. <laughs> the only joke that did well was like the biggest winner tonight are the Coke dealers and the place exploded. Yeah. After that, nothing. fucking nothing but flatlining. So you're at the store all these years. Because I remember when I first met you, you were kind of amped up and sweaty. Your your hair was slicker. You were thinner. <laughs> and and who was it? I, no, I know. But uh, but no. But at some point, you hit a wall because I think I was there at the early in your early sobriety, right? Yes. Like yes. Wh like what happened? When was that? Uh, you know, man, I've talked about this before. It's just like you know, it became at the comedy store where the coke and the and the sex was more important than the actual performing. And I just realized I can't do that anymore. And it's just like, you know, it's like I said, it's like doing Coke is like uh, going to a restaurant, eating and eating and eating. Yeah. Like eventually you have to pay your bill. Yeah. You have to pay a bill. Yeah, but, but like, it's more like, you know, not eating and not eating and not eating. And not <laughs> yeah. Just ordering food and just sitting there. <laughs> That's exactly what Coke is. <laughs> ordering food ordering food it just sitting there and they're like you're gonna eat it I'm like fucking eat i'm it. okay i'll eat it eventually <laughs> and you just never eat it but now you gotta pay a bill you gotta pay a that bill is, that's exactly what it is you know and how bill but you how didn't eat i know i didn't do anything <laughs> i just sat there grinding trying to get creepy with this young chick who's also not eating you know <laughs> yeah. i don't know man i have a sex addiction a really bad one and coke and sex addictions go hand in hand. How does that play? How did the sex addiction play out? Just like girls like to, I mean, like yeah. the, they like hookers though and stuff. Or no, no, not hookers, just, dude. You know, just anybody. No, who was game? I once was. Uh, you know, I'd get sober and then I'd relapse, and then I would be like, get rid of all the drug dealers in my phone. Yeah, and then I'd be like. Oh man, I can't, I got no drugs. I got to find drugs, and I would drive around in this true story. One time, I got robbed by the same hooker twice in one day, dude. <laughs> because I was looking for drugs, I was like, "Fuck!" So I'm like, "Hey, you know where to get drugs?" She's like, "Oh yeah, I know where to get drugs." So I give her the money. She never came back. I'm like, "Fuck! I got robbed." So I drive around, dude. <laughs> yeah. Right now, and like two hours later, I still haven't found drugs. But I see her. I'm like, "No one would do it twice in one day. <laughs> Nobody's got that lack of humanity, dude." So I picture she's like, "Baby, I'm sorry." It just got weird. I couldn't find it. I'm like, okay, just don't do it again. Yeah. Give her the mic. Yeah. Didn't come back. I'm yeah. like, fuck. Yeah. You know, so yeah. 
Another thing that got me off coke is it was just getting so bad. It was it's so. It's been almost twenty years for me, so I like it's so away from me. It's so stepped on. It's so bad. So I'm just like, why am I even doing this? It's the worst business model ever. Like coke dealers always fucking over their clients. Like, how do you get repeat business? Yeah. Why are you fucking people over? It's like short dollar game. Because you gave a hooker twice. You got robbed by the same hooker twice. Hey, that's dude, why. Live and learn, dude. But that's why. I probably that answers your question. Like it's like they'll come back. Yeah, you keep you know, going. You just see them once in a while. You throw in a good batch. So crazy, dude. How long has it been? It's been a. I mean, I had five. I'm up two hundred days now because I smoked weed. But I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, but five, I had five years at one point, and I now I smoked weed a little while ago. Two hundred and twenty. Oh, so you're back. Back in the mix. How long were you out? Oh, dude. I was. I mean, like I get like what I do is I get like a year go out and weed yeah and then get some time yeah and i go back and forth yeah over the last like yeah weed would be the thing that would take me out because it's so easy and it's, and it's so everywhere available. Now. yeah yeah i like I shrooms it. too but i can't do shrooms i miss shrooms yeah i like shrooms i like to talk to god once in a while yeah sure and what does god have to say did he say uh Keep rocking dude you're <laughs> yeah. doing the lord's work oh yeah yeah that's what he says yeah. when you're on shrooms yeah 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 now I got a question. Yeah, that do you think that maybe cuz we sort of established something here and you know, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but I think it's interesting that uh it seems that that there is sort of a theme in, you know, your relationship with your old man in terms of what he's like and then you realizing what he's like and then you studying psychology and it just seems to be a straight line to this researching uh, conspiracy that there's still this sort of preemptive kind of like I want to be on top of it because they ain't going to fuck me. Probably. This probably <laughs> isn't. It probably is I'm not going to be fucked by any 100%, of this bullshit. 100%. 100%, dude. Without a doubt. I was thinking as uh, as I was talking, I'm like, oh, man, that's probably where that all comes from. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And how, like, there is that, but I just enjoy it. Sure. But I, what's your dad, uh, what's he up to? He's just hanging out? He gambles. He's his girlfriend. He's dating a, 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 a beautiful black woman who used to dance on uh, used to dance on Soul Train. Yeah, uh, and they just live in Prescott, Arizona, and they just. He just loves his life. He's just a, he's always telling me about how he's always working out, yet he loses no weight, which is fine. That's his thing. And he just does his thing. He goes to gamble, loves Golden Corral, and he eats that all day. Yeah. And he's just living the life I think he always wanted to do, oh, that's which nice. is not re- any responsibilities, which is kind of always where I am right now. Yeah. I you know, when I look at my career versus my friends, that's when I get the press, but when I look when I just look at what I'm doing, I love it. I have no boss. I make good money doing my own thing, and I fucking love it. I have no masters. I just do my own shit. But when I look at, like, you know, uh, the other people, this, you know, I go, oh, man, I should be doing all that. But when I don't, when I take that out, and I, I'm just like, man, I'm a dude who flunked first grade. I'm from, my brother was the number one high school bowler. I didn't do jack shit. I was, my only claim to fame in high school is that I was uh, in a breakdancing group called the break, the HDI Breakers, and we were sponsored by the Holiday Inn, and I was most improved on the high school bowling team. That was it. After that, nothing, dog. <laughs> nothing. And here I am, just making good money, doing my own shit. You know, I always got told if I was dirty, I wasn't going to make any money. So, what? well, what, well, that's not true. I mean, like, you know, there's a whole world of, like, you know, guys I came up with. I, you know, and I, I think I was dirtier when I was younger, but, you know, uh, like. That's a, where I am, too. It's like a, like a tell, and, the, you know, there's definitely a the model best. for it. I love He's him. the best. Yeah, yeah. I, I could, love him. Yeah, I could tell that, you know, you're 
like uh, of the Atel school. Yeah, for sure. The best writer. <laughs> the best. I like you too. I, I mean, I love what I'm you just, do. I'm, I, 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 well, thank you. I love Atel too. I, I, I wonder how he's doing. Have you talked to him? I haven't. I mean, when I see him oh. the couple times in New York, anytime the fact that he knows my name is a giant win in my life. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. like one of those guys where you're like, I love that dude so fucking much. And like, he's like, hey, what's up, Triple i I'm like, oh, fuck, he knows my name. Every time. <laughs> every fucking time. Uh, yeah, I love watching You know, him, him Rogan, you yeah. guys, Burr. I love watching what you guys have done. You know, it's fun to watch. You know, I heard you say one time, and I wanted to know what that meant to you, was that you said, you know, things are going good for you, when, and maybe I'm messing up the quote, but... Yeah. When you started doing what everybody else was doing in terms of like, do you know what I'm saying? Where like, maybe you were doing it one way and then the successful people were doing it another way. Yeah. And then you kind of like, well, maybe I'll try doing it in your own way. Not that you did them. Right. You did you, but in their way. Yeah. And I often think maybe if I, maybe I should do that and then like start playing the game a little better. Well, I think what it was, was really like, um, I don't know if that, like what, what I would do was, it was more about how I was looser in the sense that like, I would go out of my way to to sort of like make sure that I was not planned. Like that that like you know I knew where I wanted to go most of the time like if I'm doing an hour an hour and a half set, but I would kind of wing it and I would wing it on important things and I just I thought that was like that was ballsy and that you know then like and then you're really taking risks. And then after a certain point I'm like, yeah, but you've been doing this a long time and maybe you should structure your shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it was really like like when I did uh, the epic special, that special, the epic special, I'm like, I'm gonna have callbacks. I'm gonna work this fucking hour and a half, and I'm gonna bring, you know, bring it in, you know, right on the money. And it, and I kind of got off on it. I was like, I did the work, and I did all the loose work, and there's still, I'm I'm working right up until that day I shoot. Like the last special I did, which is the best thing I've ever done. That too real is that, that cool for Netflix? Is like, I didn't have the ending of that set until the day before. Like wow. I was I, like I was doing I was on the road doing about an hour and a half and they needed 70 minutes. So I had to cut 20 that last two days before I taped is wow. I waited that long and I just fucking knocked it out I made a list, got rid of unessential shit, figured out where the callback was, changed the ending, made it stronger and nailed another callback. And so I just started getting off on that yes as opposed to just fucking being punk rock details yeah i'm with you dude that was the change it wasn't so much like do it the way other people do it It was just sort of like i should be a responsible comedian and do my fucking job properly yeah i'm with you on that too i'm with you on that i battle between my punk rockiness and the understanding that these people are here to be entertained you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, punk rock can be pretty entertaining, but like, you know, once you get people who are coming to see you and you realize like, you know, like, uh, you know, They're I should do new stuff. Yeah, and you can get loose with them, you know, and they they dig it, but you do, you know, it's weird. It's really it's not even I'm not always thinking about them or the entertainment thing. I'm I'm really thinking about like fuck it i i can do that yeah i can you know like you know I, you know it, you know if your callback gonna make you look like a genius i can do fucking callbacks yeah <laughs> yeah you ever have a callback you're like whoa that got big reaction they love them yeah. every time yeah yeah yeah. and yeah. i'm like i'm like like the one i did for epics like both of the last two specials like two or three callbacks and i'm like they just fucking love it because you know it's you know, all of them sort of have a theme, but when you have a callback, it makes it this this unified thing. 
Like, you know, if you call back all the way through an hour, one or two callbacks, it feels like like a whole prepare, like it's like a show. It's a bow. A it's bow not just a package. Well, no, it's like there's continuity. It's not just a guy telling jokes. You know, like you do a callback at the end, you know, all of a sudden that whole hour and 10 minutes, it's like, oh, it all fit together yeah, it's just all perfect. Connected. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm right? with you. I got it's all connected call, yeah. if you want to play I love ball. That you if say you want to play ball, it's all connected. This is <laughs> your best. Um, that this is the best thing you do because that's how I feel like kind of as a comedian yeah. I am right now is the best I've ever been yeah and I think that's really cool that you know I'm a, I'm about to shoot my special I'm shooting it I'm at the Viper Room I just want to do a small venue yeah a I've rock done that club, it's great yeah I did know? I did like a 200 seater for Thinky Pain <laughs> I love it dude I'm gonna put like 150 in each show do two and like I'm kind of putting yeah. it all together right now and. I just feel like I'm the best I've ever been. And I think that's kind of amazing being 20 something years into a, a career and just being able to feel like you're still getting better. Yeah. Or just fine. Well, what it, for me, it was finally settling into myself, like to know myself well enough to where I'm not going to drag them through my goddamn problems. Like I can, you, you know, I have enough distance from my bullshit to where, you know, I can make it funny as opposed to just going in front of audiences and making them pay for whatever fucking, you know, problem problems i have or however i was brought up <laughs> yeah i get that totally i mean that's entertaining but you know it's a little exhausting yep and it's hard to repeat and it may not be something people want to see again i completely get that <laughs> i just been i work really hard on trying to do simple relatable shit too because i have such a weird skull yeah and i like to go into weirdness i did I've, I've been doing a little of that and i can feel that with the weird the thing about going in the weirdness and especially if you're if you're good at it which you are is that you know you get way out into the weirdness and you're like ah fuck i left me on an island down yeah there. like there i'm uh, i left sam sitting on stage where the fuck am i yep and it's just like, but it's fun to come back. Is that? But that's the thing. You can always come back, land again. You know. I do love that, dude. I love the whole just psychology of it all. Mm. I call my comedy Gator Roll. What? That's how my style. Yeah. Which is like start really simple. Yeah. At the top, and then yeah. kind of bring them deep into the waters of chaos. <laughs> you know, and like, yeah. and just psychologically bring them, get them ready for the next level yeah. of creepiness, so that they're not like, whoa, what the fuck? You know, right, just right. like, hey, slowly bring them. But in. do you do you leave them in the swamp or do you pull them out at the end i think i need to pull them out at the end <laughs> you gotta work on that part <laughs> like i'm trying because i want to tell the crack smoking story on this special yeah but i don't think it could be the end because yeah i had that issue with my last special that there was a beat where it was just dark and it wasn't a story but it was a joke that was pretty existentially dark even though it was funny and i'm like is that do i really want to end at on the end that? of the day i just my whole thing is like everybody's a little weird we need to get over like sure being creeped out by that that's my point well i know but you know being weird and getting over something is still like you know you're still talking to regular people who may not have had uh you know a crackhead try to suck their dick <laughs> on crack right so like right, it, right, you know right. they they can get over it it's your <laughs> life they, they have nothing invested in it it's, but but you know it doesn't need to be everyone's experience <laughs> What do you mean you never experienced this? You never smoked crack with a robot? Uh, I, get, I get that is the weird thing because I don't want people coming here to my shows hearing stuff that they've heard before. Yeah. Or that they can come up with. Yeah. 
I want it to be completely unique, but it needs to be relatable because when it gets too unique, it it just becomes, what the fuck are you talking about? No, but I think that like, you know, a lot of times just your phrasing, you know, like, you you know, I think that I, I like when people, if you blow their minds because they never thought of something like that. Yeah. Like I, you know, I know what you're talking about, but I never thought about it like that. Yeah. That's the best you can do. Yep. Really. And you can doll that up however you want. I mean, you can, you know, make, you can paint as, as, or, or elaborate a picture as you want. But ultimately, you're sort of like, I know where you started, but I had no idea where you were going there. And I never thought about that like that. That's where the comedy comes from the surprise. Sure. Surprise and just the execution of it. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, I'm glad we did this finally. Thank you for having me on. Dude. How'd it go I, for you? I, I, dude, I had a great time. I don't know how you thought. No, well, it was but great. I had a wonderful time. It was good. I'm so happy for all your success. Thanks. I always have been. Oh, thanks. I remember uh, when you just started doing this, we were both working out the Y together. And I'm like, hey, dude, your podcast is blowing up. I'm super happy for you. And you were like, yeah, dude, I'll have you on. It was, now when it's was been that? Like Which Y? 30 Hollywood years later, y? I finally was on it. Yeah. Uh, it was at the Hollywood Y. You used to run on the treadmill. Yeah. And we used to talk all the time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why did I could have just put you on then? No, it's fine. It's at the beginning. I, I think people think I'm a crazy person. Sometimes. I don't know. That was never the case. It was really just sort of like, you know, it, there, you'd be in my head for a while and then I just forget. I, I don't yeah. think you're crazy. I, it was no personal judgment at all. No, yeah, you know, it's like you were a store guy and I wanted to have you on at the beginning. Yeah. But now look, more people listen. It's better. Yeah, no, I'm totally <laughs> thankful for it and I'm super happy for you, dude. You too, man. That was lively, wasn't it? That was Sam Tripoli. Go to samtripoli.com for all Sam Tripoli info. Okay, I'll see you in Stockholm tonight, right? Right? Boomer lives! But it's going to be hard for him to figure out where he comes back. Oh, don't add that. No, go ahead. Makes it sad, though. It's a mythical call.